I saw Tio's interview. I thought it looked cool. It's also like a kind of podcast in Montreal that's missing. When I was a child, people were always asking me like, oh, what do you want to do? And I was always like everything. So Occupy the Hood is giving me the opportunity to do everything. Like everything I want to do. Mostly in big cities, Toronto, Montreal, blah, blah, blah. You can really do whatever you want. If you really put your mind into it and you worked towards it, there's no way that little Monsieur Keita made it from the, you know what I mean? And I can do it. It's impossible. So that's what I mean by free game. In this lifetime, I feel like if my folks are not even multi-millionaire, they still made a multi-millionaire journey. Hello and welcome to all the beautiful podcast listeners. My name is Syme. Syme like time. I'm a young creative entrepreneur who somehow manages to have conversations with everyone's favorite creatives. Therefore, I thought, why not record this conversation and turn it into a podcast? So just like me, you can listen to these conversations while working on your own creative project. Today, we get to listen to Mansa, who is everyone's favorite DJ for eight years and running, who also runs a nonprofit called Occupy the Hood. She uses the power of music and arts to host charitable events that benefit communities in need. During this conversation, Mansa talked about what makes a great DJ set, the valuable lessons Mansa has learned from her work with Occupy the Hood, and the advice she has for female creatives and DJs who are just starting out. If you prefer a visual experience, you can head over to YouTube and watch the podcast. Now let's jump into this beautiful conversation with Mansa. Mansa in the house once again. What's up? <laughs> Can we sort of talk about what makes a great DJ set? Um, I like to break people. I think it's fun when I do go to a party and I listen to things that I didn't know that I wanted to hear and that I discover a new whole a whole new universe and like sounds and genres. Uh, I think the the aspect to show that you are curious to share. Um, something um, unusual with people that makes a good DJ set for me. Uh, definitely my my favorite DJs are the ones that have a great technique. Um, I don't like too much of a technique. I like to hear the human side of a DJ set. I feel like that's that's nice to hear something not necessarily super well, um, I don't know how to say it, like transition and everything. I really want to see the human side. So um, And... Also, I like, for me, I like a DJ set that goes from a slow, a slow BPM to a high BPM. I like to be, ex- like, I like a DJ set that is, like, exhilarating. Exhilarating? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, the idea and you're just, like, it's just, like, oh, my God, like, kind of oh, a, wow. a, yeah, like, a fucking epiphany. Like, what the fuck? This was so good, right? So, yeah, I think... The um, surprise, the, the element of surprise, the technique, and um, the culminating energy makes a good DJ set. Is there any specific thing that you personally think consciously you're trying to tell people from your music? I think the, the main energy that I'm trying to like, uh, give to people would be the um, just fuck it up energy, like go wild. You know what I mean? Hi. That's my roommate. <laughs> like, go wild, be yourself, you know, like, 
pop your ass, dance, I don't know, like do cartwheels, do whatever you want to do, right? So that's mostly the, the, the message I'm trying to like, just be free. This is a safe space. We're dancing. We're having a moment of our lives. So I'm going to quote you because you said, my parents are from villages far in Mali and I've seen them grind my whole life. So to be raised by ultimate hustlers as first generation in a Western country is like a freak game, really. Yeah. So Where did I say that? I don't know. But I did say that. Yeah. <laughs> I did say that. That's crazy. Um, um, what does that mean? It means like, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's just some people that will do steps before you and they'll, give, they'll teach you the free game. And depending of, on where you are, in the world or in your your journey it's so it can help so much meaning like to see my parents they came from villages like seven hours from the capital of mali which is bamako and we're the first generation so they came here and we grew up in montreal called the neige and then moved outside in the suburbs they got a house type of shit and like you just see how I went to their village, so to see where they're from to where they are, it's like, there's, it's like crazy, you know? So me that is born here, that have all the privileges in the world, even if I don't have all the privileges in the world, I still have a, a lot of privilege. So to me to say that it's free game, it's because it's so like, it's so easy. Now it's just so easy, but you just have to make the right moves and really take advantage of what you're being offered, right? by this life. So that's what more I've, I was saying, like here in Canada, mostly in Mont like mostly in big cities, Toronto, Montreal, blah, blah, you can really do whatever you want. If you really put your mind into it and you worked towards it, there's no way that little Monsieur Keita made it from the, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I can do it. It's impossible. So that's what I mean by free game. It's like, it's not even a free game. Like, you need to tell me something. It's things you see and you're like, it's motivating. It's just inspiring, right? Right. Consciously and subconsciously, mm -hmm. you're getting motivated by your Exactly. Parents. And I like, I'm motivated as a first generation to do better. Because that's not even like, in this lifetime, I feel like if my folks are not even multimillionaire, they still made a multimillionaire journey, Right. Interesting. I didn't have to do the journey to come here, but I can make the million because I didn't have to do all they had to do. They have one life in, in 40 years. They could probably have been millionaires, you know what I mean, multimillionaires. But the journey is, let's say, 80% of the people couldn't do that journey. Mm -hmm. A lot of people would have stayed there or even made it from the village to like decent, wealthy, correct in the capital of Mali not all the way to Canada. Is there one thing or one event that your parents have told you that occurred in their life which really motivates you? My parents really taught me how to be this really f like fighting person, like not in, in a bad way, right, but like yeah. just fight through all storms that comes to you. Like they've always showed me what is resilience, it's really more of a general like vibe that they have. Like they're really, really powerful people in their mental mentally and they're Muslim too. And they're really, really on their Dean and they pray a lot and they're really, really believers. 
and but like you know not on the they're not like I don't know, like to their their dean and everything and how they move really made me understand what it's like to be motivated and to be focused on something because everything you want, you can get it, right? So it's really how I move and that's why I'm saying ultimate hustlers because I personally think with my personality and that with all the humbleness and, you know, vulnerability, if I was in the position, I probably wouldn't be in Canada. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, honestly speaking, my I'm a first gen uh-huh. immigrant too. Uh-huh. And where are you from? From Pakistan. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And honestly speaking, when I think about what my parents did, moved and changed like my, my parents had everything in mm-hmm. Pakistan. They sold everything, mm-hmm. came to Canada, started a new business, mm-hmm. gave us everything that we have. Mm-hmm. I personally don't think we or me specifically can do that. Right. And but the but the question that I'm trying to get towards is like why do you think the previous generation was able to make so many sacrifices whereas us I guess I'm being uh, I guess I'm generalizing. Mm-hmm. Why do you think we are not why we don't think that we're capable? Mm-hmm. Uh I feel like um it's a more of a question of distractions also like we have so many like since i am born in 1996 so all my life i've been i grew up with the appearance of internet and then other things that distract distract us you know and then we get we forget we get into pop culture we get into anything we get like kind of hypnotized by stuff that distracts us really from a goal and whereas when you come from a village and you have no distraction you have no tv you have no electricity you have to go get your water every morning do your prayers have 10 brothers and sisters that you need to feed you need to kill an animal with your own hands you know what i mean yeah. it's more this is life this is survival and it helps you more to see a you know that somewhere in france and canada blah blah you will get the life you would get the but every the, every step you have to take is clearer While he, while here, I know that if I want to get, let's say, next year at the Grammys, I have to put in work, I have to go to the studio, I have to wake up, have a good hygiene, not drink too much, not party too much. But then there's distraction. Mm-hmm. There's too much, too much distraction. I can do it if I'm really a disciplined person. But with the struggle comes discipline because you don't want to stay in struggle. And you see it clearly in your head and you know exactly what you have to do. But here we're so privileged. So... You know what I mean? It's like a different, it's a different mentality. Like, it's easy to get unfocused here. And that's why I feel like if we, if I think if I was in that generation, I could probably do it. But then I feel like my person also comes from the inspiration of them and everything that came so that's why i'm like with the generation we're in right now and with, with let's say if i was the same person now without the mentor the mentoring of my parents i would probably have stayed there because i would be distracted and lazy and not no real models that showed me how to do it at first right i think um you you brought up a really good point mm. about distractions mm-hmm. and the focus i think we Like, I keep saying we lack focus by that. What I mean is, it's just from my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, love my friends, love the people around me, but I think 
the people that are in similar age, we have this, like we, we cannot really focus for too long. Um, we get distracted really easily. Do you think, and honestly speaking, I feel like if we didn't have the distractions mm-hmm. and we were not able to, and we were able to focus really fast without those distractions or for long, we would be able to make those sacrifices and the changes that our parents did. Mm-hmm. Do you think distractions is our fault? Um, I think it's a mix of like society and also like victimization. Um, I think, yes, society will bring us anything to distract us. Let's say, and just say like in the party scene or the music scene, like everything is just made to be like, everything that comes with it is to like the, to distract you. So let's say a good party or a good concert will come with the music at first. The music is the art, but then comes the drugs, comes the alcohol, come the late nights, come the blah, blah. So it's still a choice. We still have free will to decide if we partake in it or if we don't. But most of us will partake in it, you know, because mm-hmm. it comes with it. So yes, it's a decision. It's a decision and it's, it's, a, it's our fault in our way. You get to decide if you want to be disciplined, but then I think of all your friends that are really disciplined or really like, no, nah, man, yeah. I can't do this tomorrow. I have like, yeah, of course, you're like, well, you're missing out. But then sometimes I kind of wish I was like them, you know, because I would get so many more shit done, so many shit done, like so many shit done. But then you have to be kind of like disciplined mentally, and that's everybody's like free will to be. To do so, you know? So, yeah, it kind of, I kind of feel like it's my fault when I decide to party until 6 a.m. when I know that I have a shoot at 3 p.m., you know? I could get more shit done. I could have woken up, go to the gym, eat a good meal, go to the shoot, and then be energized instead of like wake up at 1 30, know that my shoot is at 3, hurry the fuck up. I haven't ate, I'm hungry. I'm grumpy, I'm tired, come back from my shoot, go to sleep, wake up at like seven, miss my whole day. And then the next day I'm like, fuck, I should have done, I had shit to do yesterday that I didn't do because I partied, but isn't it, you know what I mean? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, comes, you know, when you're, when I guess when you're in nightlife, you have other things that you need to take Mm -hmm. care of as well. So would you... Because here, I'll, I'll say it for myself first. I don't think I'm disciplined. Or maybe, just maybe, I'm disciplined more than the average an average person. But like then you're comparing shit towards shit. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right? For lack and, of better terms. And when you think about it, like it's it, let's say I'm going to give you another example because... I like this is just by the DJ point of view. So let's say... Lawyers. Lawyers are, you know, they have their firm, they're like, their cabinet, whatever, they're like senior, whatever. And then they sign a deal, right? They're yeah. happy, they go party, and they do coke until I don't know what time. I know a lot of them, you know what I mean? It's like, it's the same type of shit. And then it's like you lack on some other shit because you have the privilege of of being comfortable because you don't have to think about you don't have to think about the times that you were in a hut 
in a mud hut, you yeah. know what I mean? And like go to get your water. You never had to do that. So it's kind of a like easy distractions that are like harmless in the in the first thought, but then it's, it's still it still is your fault after afterwards, you know. Later, it can become a snowball effect. It as does. Well. It does become, you know, uh, like once in a while, it's okay. But we have like I feel like we have to take accountability, and that's why I'm I'm saying like taking care of my parents. Like they had a lot of discipline, you know. So it's like I think they could have victimized and be like, oh my God, it's so hard, blah, blah, you know? And they would have never made it out, but they they bust up and had a lot of like, you know, good mental hygiene, being able to be like, okay, like later on, I'll enjoy the fruits of it. My kids will enjoy the fruits of it, you know? I feel like that's... Do you try to be disciplined? It, come, it comes honestly easily when I know that something is a big deal. and But I'm really a type of person that's like, ah, you know, I'll sleep the extra 15 minutes. I yeah. do not give a fuck. Like knowing damn well, like when you sleep, yeah. like you, that's like the worst thing you can do. And then, But listen, one thing with me is that I'll sleep the extra 15 minutes. But let's say I have a I have a, a rendezvous at like 2 p.m. Okay, and I know that I need an hour to get ready, so I'll be up by 12 for sure. But I'll sleep the extra hour, so I'll stay in bed. It's just the in the hour that I need to get ready. As like as more as I take time, I just know I just see the way I want it to be dressed get less bad, less. You know what I mean? It's like. Okay, no, now I can't do the makeup. Okay, now I can't do my hair like that. Okay, now I don't have time. You know, I'm like, okay, now I have to go regular. It's just yeah. that. It's really a matter of that, but I'll always be leaving. I always, you know, time it so I'm at least on time a little bit, but it's really about the leisure, mo- not leisure, but the, really about the, the, I don't know how to say it. Like, when you're just like, ugh. Yeah, you, you kind of... I think kind of push things. Yeah. Yeah. Procrastinate. Procrastinate. Yeah. But I am disciplined when I need to be like. Right. Yeah. yeah. With your shoes or with your NGO and all yeah, that. Yeah. Kind of stuff. Like yeah. Like every, whenever, I feel like whenever someone else's depends on me, I have to be disciplined. If yeah. Nobody else depends on me and it's on me. Like I'm the sole like victim, uh, the sole perpetrator. <laughs> so it's like, I have to take accountability on like against me so it's like it's not a problem but when it, whenever it involves other people that's where I'm more like okay yeah like it's one thing to fuck up shit for you but not for others yeah you know? yeah no I get that yeah that um would you okay so let's kind of talk about occupy the hood mm-hmm. right it's your NGO mm-hmm. um more specifically it's based on community work mm. right so what is the impact that it has had on you? Um, I think growing up, I was really a, a um, solo child. Like all my family could say that I was really like a child that was always alone. And like even like in friend groups, I was always like, you know, kind of isolated person. Even in my everyday life too, I'm kind of an isolated person. But... Um, having occupied the hood helped me uh, understand a lot of like different, like different people, different journeys. Um, made me understand what is a sense of community, 
to know that you have people behind you that will help you, that will be there for you in other ways, no matter what, you know? So um, that helped me with that, like knowing that you have a like second family, a second home, a second, you know, tribe. Yeah, how does how do you go from being that alone kid or an introverted kid to this, my assumption, extrovert who mm-hmm. has an NGO, who is a DJ? Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't go from that to that. I'm still the introvert kid, so like, I don't know what we're talking about. It's just I just have to force. It. I just have to force it. Like, not force it, but like, I just have to go out of my shell, you know. And it's a work. It's an undying work. I'll be working on it until I die, you know, because yeah. I'll always be that solo introverted kid in my head. I think a lot of people have this misconception of me that I am someone that's like out there talking to everybody because I do put on the, the not the act because it's not an act but I do put on the courage to to get out of my uh, social anxiety yeah. or my you know because because deep down that's what I want right but it's just really hard for other people and usually some people cope with being excluded some people when I was younger <laughs> I would cope with being excluded and stuff. Now I cope by being overly present in the room or overly talkative and overly nice and overly because this is uh, the opposite of how how I'm feeling. Like deep down, I'm just like, oh my God, social interaction, people. It's it's draining, but you wouldn't know that if I didn't told you that, right? Yeah, yeah. But I didn't go from that. I didn't, it's just... I also have, like I said, I I had a urge to express myself, and so I wasn't expecting this popularity of it. It was really from the heart, and yeah, I still struggle to this day to deal with it because it's like, damn, it's overwhelming. Yeah, no. Someone told me like um, a couple of months ago, one thing with you, Mansa, you're fun and everything, but we need to know more about your personality. Personality, Like, who are you? And I'm like, and it really stuck with me because I was like, damn, like, I feel like I'm showing a little bit of who I am. But then I realized, like, not really. Like, I'm still kind of removed. And it pushed me to get more out there and to talk to more people and to, you know, like, create the sense of like, oh yeah, no, I know Mansa, she's like that, you know. I kind of felt, not offended, but I, I felt like a type of way, and I was like, damn, all these efforts, but then it's just showing me how even if, you know, you try to be extroverted and it's the scene and you have to be like that, it's so difficult. Me, I thought that everybody thought I was, you know, out yeah. there giggling, but there's still, see, there's still people that could see me really and they're like, we don't really know who you are. And I'm like, damn, <laughs> that's deep. What is it, something that you want to tell those people? If they're trying to get to know um, you. Or I also have another question to, I guess I'll yeah. ask it now. Yeah. The questions that I sent you, they, they were so we could have a more uh, personable mm. uh, conversation. Did it take you a longer period of time to sort of answer those questions? Uh, no, absolutely not. So you would you would say you know yourself? Yeah, I know myself one hundred percent, one hundred percent. NGO usually is not seen. Your nonprofits are not seen with creativity. Has Occupy the Hood done anything for your creativity? 
I would say Occupy the Hood um, made me discover new talents of mine, just like graphic design. Graphic design is something that I would never, I was not doing graphics before, but now I'm doing graphics. So that's something really cool because I didn't, like, I used to always, like, pay, which I like paying people for their work, right? Yeah. But then I like be, do, being able to do everything. Like, I want to be able, like, at 45 to be able to say that I can produce, I can sing, I can DJ, I can do graphic design. I want to have, like, I want to be a jack of all trades, you know? Like, oh, you want it? You want to make your wine? I could do it. You want to make a song? I could do it. You want to do a graphic? I could do it. You want to hold a press conference? I could do it. You know what I mean? So... I think like when people, when I was a child, people were always asking me like, oh, what do you want to do? And I was always like everything. So Occupy the Hood is giving me the opportunity to do everything, like everything I want to do, like admin work, gra uh, graphic work, um, logistic, like producing an event, log uh, curating an event, um, community work, uh, like so many things that, triggers creativity you know that i have to every fucking two weeks weeks i have to find new ideas find new events with of course the help of my right. my people but it taps in my creativity so much with stuff like every even little things at parties like let's say um the um, the location to be announced that is mad inspired by moonshine um we like kind of tweaked it because now we have coordinates we do coordinates so you have to like actually make the effort like if you really want to come to the party you've been or someone told it to you but it's way more fun when yeah. <laughs> you have coordinates and then you have to go check for it and like it's just always you know tapping in my creativity trying to find ways to to to, to for it to be interesting in any way right. Uh, whether it's visually, like you see a, a, a flyer and it's like striking, it's like bubbles and stuff and other stuff. So, yeah, it really it really helped with that. Like musically, I'm undyingly fucking creative, anyways, with that. So I don't really, it didn't really, I didn't really need it to occupy for that. I think there's many other factors in my life that force me to be more creative, more than occupy. But um, on the curation aspect, yes, I could say that for others and for the, the greater good of the, the NPO, yes, I, it really helped me to, like, do, to develop more. more. Yeah, to yeah. Discover yourself even further. Absolutely. Right? And what I could do and, yeah, for others. Looking back at your journey so far, mm -hmm. right, what advice would you give to an aspiring female DJ? who is just starting out in the industry? Mm, I would say believe in yourself, absolutely, first thing. Believe in yourself. There's a reason why um, you got led to the point of being a DJ. Um, try not to fall into too much amalgam. I don't know how to say that in English. Um, try not to fall into too much of mainstream. Uh, let's not say mainstream, but wait, let me, let me find Amalgam. Okay. For I'm sure. going to tell you what is Amalgam in a gotcha. few. Um, also, um, I would say embrace your womanhood, embrace your fucking womanhood. Don't think that because it's a boys club, it is a boys club, right? Don't think that you shouldn't embrace your womanhood because it'll make people respect you less because 
you're if you want to like look sexy while DJing, look sexy. If you don't want to look sexy, you don't need to look sexy. You could be the woman you want to be. Like it, there's no like definition of what is a, a female DJ. You know what I mean? And so that's one thing that I struggled with a lot at the beginning because I was like, maybe I should dress a little bit street so guys will respect yeah. me or maybe if i were to just sexy shit like people are gonna think that only is because i'm sexy that i'm being booked it's not the case okay and also stand your ground um if you're and this is gonna sound really specific but it happens to women if you're scheduled to play at an hour and you're at a party and there's a bunch of other guys that are playing before or after you and they don't want to let you play stand your fucking ground put your fucking key in press play okay like you're paid Let's to be go. here that's your slot from fucking 12 to 1 do your fucking 12 to 1 and don't be fucking afraid and if you can't get in get a fucking manager or fucking bouncer for the night Tell your friends to pretend they're the manager. Fuck yeah. That's <laughs> and move these people that don't want to let you play because they're intimidated that the girl are gonna, is going to outshine. Because five times out of fucking six, you are going to outshine them. I'm sorry. Women know. <laughs> Women know the vibes. I'm sorry. Let's get it. Let's get it. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, I think... Um... And you were looking up a word as Yes, well? amalgam. It is amalgam. It's the mix. Don't get caught up in the mix. Don't get caught up in the mix. Yeah. Like, okay. don't don't get caught up in the mix of everybody trying to ride your wave, trying to people trying to be your friend, but they're not really your friend. Be individually yourself. I feel like that's what's driving me the most, being individually myself. Like, if I wasn't, if I was diminishing myself or watering myself down with other people that which community is important, but it's also individuality in a community is important too because that's what makes a community. Everybody can't be the same, right? Yeah. Everybody has to have their rapport to a community. So don't get caught up in a mix where you water yourself down and you just stand in the back because everybody's doing something. Be yourself amongst everybody that's themselves. Fuck yeah. Like, what I would want to say to that is, like, yeah. think of it from a long-term basis yeah. and a short-term. Yeah. Short-term, if you ride the wave, sure, you might get initial success. But, like, in the long-term, you're just, you're just going to get washed out. Absolutely. Whether you're a man, female, whoever you are, right? So, um, yeah, I think uh, we can sort of cut it here. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, <clears throat> it, this took a couple, couple tries. We we ended up breaking a coffee table, <laughs> a light, most of me. We had to change the setup, but I'm extremely happy that you me came. Me too. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's great. No, uh, honestly. Um, so, Madsa, what are some of the easiest ways if other creatives want to get in touch with you and start a conversation? Um, on my Instagram, I'm really, really, I'm responsive, honestly, kind of like, honestly, DM me, as long as you don't DM me on some bullshit, I kind of answer to everybody, um, in contact with Occupy the Hood, they can reach me at mansa at occupythehood.ca, um, and yeah, that's pretty much it, um, anybody else that I should have a conversation with? Like I said, I already told you Koofy's yes, World. Sir. Yes, Koofy's World is so interesting. I think he would be nice to have a conversation with. 
Um, I gotta say two people. I think uh, Isa Nono would be really fun to have a conversation Noel. with because uh, yeah, Noel. Noel is fun. Um, I think you could have a great conversation with him. Um, I think someone with who you can have a really nice conversation to would be Hervé from Moonshine Collective. She uh, started Moonshine? He started Moonshine. Oh, he yeah. started Moonshine. Hervé. Yeah, I think Hervé would be interesting. I would love that. Yeah. Um, he is an inspiration for me a lot. He knows that um, everything he does is really cool in Montreal, honestly, and even abroad. They brought me on tour uh, this winter. Fuck yeah. Yeah, it was such a fucking grateful moment for me. But just in general, like, ex his experience is, like, Out of this world. Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Like, he has, I, I'm pretty sure he has a lot of shit to say. And also a last, last, last person, and I'm doing nepotism right now, but my brother... Too, who is uh, currently a jazz uh, a jazz player? He plays trombone, but he also curates a festival of jazz. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So um, I saw him his whole life work his ass off from being in quartets, traveling, doing you know tours with his the jazz bands and everything, to just now creating one of the biggest festival in Montreal. Not creating, but creating one of the biggest festival in Montreal and doing it fucking well because the lineup this year is crazy. There's actually Thundercat for free tonight. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, at the main stage. So, yeah, putting out there, my brother, Fuck yeah. fucking the shit, the real symbol, you know what it is. You know what it is. <laughs> Let's get it. Hell yeah. I'll cut it right here. Thank yeah, you once perfect. again. Thank you.